Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Welcome to another episode of the Short Track Talk podcast. Welcome to the 28th episode already. And I'm quite happy and nervous today. As throughout the podcast, 28 episodes, we've had world champions. We've had many, many really good riders. But we hadn't had any Olympic champions yet. And that's about to change today. As we have a gold medalist from the Tokyo 2021 Olympics. She races track. She's from the Maple Leaf country. And she won the gold on the sprint final. And for those who might not have guessed yet who I'm talking about, we have Kelsey Mitchell here today with us. Kelsey, we're so excited to have you here. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> it's really, really special to, after so many episodes, get a first chance to interview an Olympic champion. First of all, I just finished racing in Milton, just finished racing at home. How was the weekend for you? Surprisingly really good. Um, wasn't really expecting that. Had a rough start to uh, the season, um, so I wasn't sure where the legs would be. But obviously racing at home has its, its advantages. Didn't have to fly anywhere. Had the home track advantage. Sleeping in my bed. Um, and was able to walk away with a gold in the sprint and then a silver in the team sprint. That's not bad at all, I gotta say. I better... <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how did it feel racing at home? Having, I imagine, all family and friends that are watching and cheering for you. How was all of that? Yeah, it's special. It's always special. Um the support is everything. I wouldn't be here today without my friends and family being there for me and uh, supporting me through this journey. And so to have them there front row is, is always special. And then obviously racing at home, um, seeing people that you cross paths with at the track, um, wishing you good luck and then getting to see them um, cheer you on and, and watch you win that gold medal. And so it's just, yeah, a very special moment. And obviously the Olympics are, are very special and winning that was amazing. Um, but sharing it in person with family and friends winning medals is, is really cool. Yeah, just even better, exactly. And I wanted to ask, you just said you had your family and friends in front row, but I want to ask, do you guys really hear anything while you're raising or you're fully focused on the bike and like it's all background noise? <laughs> I'm always, when I'm rolled up to the line, I'm locked in, like, helmet on, you can't really hear much. But when they announce my name and then all the crowd goes crazy, I can't help but smile and just, just try and soak it in and use that, that energy into the race. And so I definitely can hear the cheering and, and the little comments that people be like, come on, Kelsey, and as you roll up to the line. It definitely it helps fire me up, though, so it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's a good way to start a race. Uh, it gives you the home advantage, like you said, and really, at the end of the day, it really plays a role. It gives you more motivation. And, yeah. So it's a pretty good track review you've had so far. It uh, hasn't been so long, but I mean, I would say many would pay to have the same track record as you have right now. But I wanted to ask you, how do you first start on a bike? How do you start riding it? And how do you start falling in love with it? Yeah, so uh, I started a little bit later in life. Um, like football, that was uh, my main sport uh, growing up, played basketball, volleyball, just anything to stay active. Riding a bike um, wasn't really something that I did. Uh, I played five years of post-secondary football here in Canada. Um, once I was done, I was just kind of lost and just wasn't ready to be done being an athlete. So um, there's a, a event that they do here in Canada and it's basically an Olympic combine so they test an athlete's speed, strength, endurance and power. It has nothing to do with like technique or skill in a sport. It just is based solely on your athleticism. Anyways, I attended this event. It's like age fifteen to twenty five and I was twenty three at the time, so I was definitely one of the older ones. Um but I went there and I did a vertical jump and from that they thought I'd have some good leg power on the bike and so they tried me on the bike. And I put out, I think it was 1,300 watts or something. And they were like, that's amazing. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. Um, and yeah, they wanted to get me on the track and see if I could pedal the bike and, and see how that power would translate. And yeah, so I started training full-time in November 2017. Uh, joined the national team about a year later. And then just started to try to figure out the sport and qualify for the Olympics. And then luckily locked in two spots for the Olympics with Canada um, in 2020. And then obviously COVID happened and 
that uh, actually worked to my benefit because all I had to do was train and, and try and catch up to the rest of the world who have been riding bikes since they were, were kids. And so, yeah, I after that, went to the Olympics and I think I surprised myself and the world and, and won the gold medal. Yeah. I mean, not that bad of a story, huh? It's like, it's quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite a good story. story yeah. <laughs> quite a good story to start a coffee table, I must say. And... I want to ask you, how do you feel about the bike? Because unlike other many stories you usually hear, which is about passion, which is started as a kid when you uh, when people just rode with the dads or the parents or whatever, how do you feel about the bike? Because for you, it's been completely different. I mean, the bike changed my life, obviously. like It allowed me to keep being a sport and perform at a high level and, and just live my dream of being an athlete and like making a career out of it, which... I didn't think would be possible. I just didn't have the skill set in uh, football to be on the national team. And so um, it gave me an opportunity to continue to be an athlete. And so I fought, fell in love with the bike. Um, I love co- like competition and competing with myself and competing with numbers. And like everything is measured from like your time, your cadence, your power, what you're lifting in the gym. And so I can like constantly compete with previous numbers that I've done or other people. And so I love that aspect of it. Um, I came from more of a team sport background, so I struggled a bit coming into individual, you know, all the pressure's on you, you're alone out there. Um, but I have a pretty good team around me now, and, and we work hard together in training, and then when you're on the line, you're not really alone, you know that they, they have your back, and they're in the pitch here you on, and so I definitely fell in love with this sport, and I think it's one of the best sports in the world, especially track cycling, like, I, it's, shocks, it's shocking to me that not more people know about it, like, it's so spectator-friendly, it's fast-paced, there's crashes, it's exciting, um, yeah, I, I love it, but I think I'm a little biased. So. No, but I gotta say, I agree with you. It's really entertaining. I hadn't watched much of a track cycling team until I went to a World Cup in Glasgow in 2019. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And then I wanted to go back and I went on last December to a track champion league event in London. And then I was like, this is really cool. Like, it's really entertaining. There's this stuff happening all along. Like, you don't miss anything and you've got con- constant entertainment, which at the end of the day, I think is what many sports lack. They just get boring at some point. And I gotta say, I gotta ask, really, what do you remember about those trials? Because I imagine you signed up to them still wanting to be an athlete, but you didn't picture yourself winning a gold medal five years later. Yeah, I showed up with a completely open mind. Like, I honestly didn't think cycling just because ne- I didn't do that sport. And so I was thinking, like, bobsled or maybe rowing. Um, just I thought I had the build for bobsled and, like, you run and jump into the sled and I can run because I've been running my whole life. Um, but, yeah, cycling was uh, super interested in, in me. And um, I was a little bit older, obviously, and to learn to... I knew how to ride a bike, but I'd never ridden a fixed bike or in a velodrome. Um, and so it was going to be a very steep learning curve, which it was. I mean, I saw it and I was like, oh, just pedal hard and turn left. And then I learned very quickly that it was not that simple. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went into it completely open-minded, but like I bought into the whole experience. Like I was sent, I like flew across the country. I'm from out west in Canada and the last um, tryout was in Toronto. Um, so I flew out, came out early to adjust to the two-hour time change. You got rid of the plane legs and just like, I fully bought in and there's people standing next to me who were 15, 16 years old telling me that their mom made them be there and stuff where I had like dedicated the whole summer, like training for this moment and, and it, it changed my life. And so I have no regrets in like this program, it's called RBC training ground and it's just grown ever since. And there's more and more kids coming out or kids or adults coming out of it um, and competing on the international stage for, for Canada and for getting results. And I think, Coming up into the next Olympics, I think we're going to have around like 15 to 20 athletes that went through this program that are now competing at that level. So it definitely works. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely say so. It's really interesting way off getting uh, people into sport and turning uh, sports people into really good champions, right? And it's a really good way to just uh, encourage the country to get better in sports. It's it's really interesting. It's quite different from what people you usually do here in Europe, which is they enlist people into the army or the police or whatever. And while they're training, they just, they're just giving them some basic formation to have something after. But yeah, it's a really interesting way. And like we said, uh, you've been racing for a few years now. Uh, 2017, it's been six years. Uh, raced all around the world pretty much. 
this year, Cairo, uh, well, now Melton, uh, quite a bit ahead. And I imagine you've seen many velodromes at this point, and many cities and many countries. So what would you say, which, which one is the one that has the special place in your heart that just got you as soon as you walked in and you were like, wow, this place is crazy? There's so many. There's so many beautiful velodromes and special moments that I've had. Like, obviously, Tokyo will always have a special place in my heart. Um, and I love Hong Kong, too. That's a great track. And it's where I won my first um, medal uh, at, a, at a World Cup. So, But I do love London. London track, um, I, it's, I don't know if it's the venue or the shape of the track or whatever, but the people and the crowd is just insane. You guys, like, sports over there is just another level, and you can barely hear yourself think. Um, they'll cheer for you even if you're not um, from GB, and it's just, it's it's the adrenaline pumping the entire time. I can't even explain it. It's it's really cool. So I was able to do um, Champions League there, race there twice, and then I did Commonwealth Games there. Um, and then I got to go back again for Champions League, and then hopefully again this year I'll go back again. So it's it's definitely uh, I've been there a few times now, and I, I just am a big fan of, of that track. Of course, uh, yeah, I got to say the atmosphere in London was absolutely crazy and mind blowing. Uh, from the center of the track, it literally felt amazing, special. Uh, there's literally no ways to describe it. Yeah. But yeah. And now I'm gonna get a little bit more specific. Uh, talk a little bit about the Olympics. What was the idea when you walked in, like when you started, like, hey, I'm going to the, the Olympics, do I want to win, do I want a podium, or do I just want to enjoy the experience? I think who I am and how I am, I'm going into every race wanting to win, um, wanting to do my best. And so you can't really control the outcome as much as you can, the preparation into it and how you are on that day. Um, I actually was sick, like, 10 days out from racing, just had like a really bad cold. And then I started to feel better as we got closer to racing. And I'm like, okay, like the stars are aligning. Everything is, is going according to this plan. Um, I almost wasn't able to race fully healthy and now I'm healthy. So I'm not going to take this for granted. I'm going to go all in. And this is my chance to um, see if all the hard work uh, has paid off. And so going into it, um, the previous worlds in 2020, I'd gotten fourth in the sprint. So I knew I was, I was close or I was, um, in the running to be on the podium, but it was 500 days of not racing, and we had no idea what other countries were doing. We know what we were doing. We were training hard um, and pushing each other every single day. And like, thank God for my teammate Lorianne. Like, it was it was fun. We had tons of fun just training and pushing each other and um, figuring out tactics that we had kind of skipped. She joined the sport a little later as well, and so um, it was definitely an advantage to us. I think that extra year, and so going to the Olympics. We had nothing to lose, um, and she went, and I watched her win uh, bronze in the Kieran, and it was an amazing moment, very emotional moment, um, but I knew where we both were at, and I knew if she could do it, I could do it too, and sprint was kind of um, my event more so than the Kieran, and so went in there and qualified second in the 200, so I knew my legs were there, and then it was just to go through the rounds and keep winning, and um, went to three in the, in the semifinals against the German, uh, but after that, I, I had the confidence and I knew I had it in the final. And walked away with a gold medal, and standing on that top step is a feeling I'll never forget. And hearing the anthem and hearing everyone sing Oh Canada was, yeah, I'll never forget it. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty good memory to have. I think not many people can say they have something like that, so it's definitely there's something really cool. And as well, I have been able to share the podium with Lorian, who got the bronze medal. Uh, you guys recently did a video about it on social media. It was quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's really something special. And then you said uh, Kaylin was not really your thing and you went fifth. So it's really not that bad, I would say. Like fifth in, in an Olympic event was pre pretty decent, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I'd say not my thing. Uh, this sprint for me was more controllable. 1v1, I only had to worry about one other person. Where in the Kieran, you know, I... I tried to have the legs that I could go to the front and hold on, and, and that worked until the end, um, where my legs just weren't there, and everyone raced very well. It was a fat, I think we went 10-6 for the 200. That was the time, which is crazy fast. Um, 
so I I like the Kieran and I've learned a lot, but there's definitely way more tactics involved, and I just didn't have um, that in my toolbox at that time. Yeah, of course, <laughs> uh, skill box uh, just constantly developing right till the end. And I wanted to ask, uh, you see many athletes, they have as a dream to go to the Olympics, they have as a dream to be on the podium, you've already done all of that, and with such a short career. So what kind of goals have you got right now? Because I imagine you've, you've got a way to keep yourself motivated. Oh, I'm, I'm motivated every single day. Honestly, I, I've lost a bunch since the Olympics. People have beat me. Um, I've had my ups and downs in the sports. Uh, I'm was in a down recently and I'm coming out of it and I think I'm going to be stronger than ever because of it mentally and physically. And so, um, I've learned more honestly in the past year than I did in the past four years of this career. And so I've grown a lot as a person and as an athlete and I'm now by far the oldest one on the Canadian team. And so the, the younger groups coming up and I hope to try and lead them, um, and give them some advice to, to keep pushing and, and get, uh, get to the Olympics and perform. And so, I, yeah, I'm nowhere near being done. I still love training and competing every single day. And, uh, yeah, who knows? I just want to keep pushing. And the plan is to defend, defend that title at the Olympics and hopefully add another medal or two to it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah just be ready to kick some ass, right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, just, uh, you already know the battle drum. I was raised there in track Champions League this year quite recently. So, it uh, should, be, should be an easy path. <laughs> Well, it's <laughs> easy, but it'll be worth it for sure. It'll be worth it, absolutely. And then, uh, well, we mentioned, well, you mentioned that you were quite into football uh, before you started recycling. I imagine that's still something you follow or you, you quite like and enjoy. But uh, what is it you enjoy doing outside of cycling? Because I imagine you also have a life outside of it. You would think. You would think I have a life outside of it. I mean, um, technically, let's put it technically. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty, I get like hyper focused, laser focused. And so when I'm not training, I'm recovering. And if I'm doing something else, it's taken away from the recovering. But you have to be okay with that. You have to find that balance. Um, but I I love training. I, any kind of training. I, I can go to the track sometimes and I'll go run some laps or do some plyo, um, get in the gym. I just like being active. And so um, if I'm not on the bike, I'm usually resting, but if I have some time and I have energy, I'll go and I'll do some activity. I don't know. I used to love running stairs. That used to be my favorite workout. Um, but yeah, I, other than that, honestly, we spend a lot of time chilling on the couch, watching Netflix, a lot of downtime. Um, in the summer, we have a friend here that has a pool and we'll go and hang by the pool, but we're usually pretty relaxed if we're not training at the track or, or in the gym. And so... Yeah, people, I get asked this a lot, like, what other hobbies do you have? And I was like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I FaceTime my friends back home and train, and I don't know, I'll learn to train. I love it. What was that story you're doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, yeah, not the most exciting uh, uh, lifestyle. Some people would love it. I love it. Some people would hate it, but... Exactly. Yeah. Just finding the balance, like you said. Uh, let's say you have a day off. Your coach tells you, hey, Kelsey, you really got to stop today. You can't do anything. What's your go-to plan? If it's summer, I'm going to the pool. I'm hanging out in the sun. Uh, if it's winter, I'm chilling on the couch watching Netflix. <laughs> I mean, it's probably quite a good plan. And now let's let the audience know what's Kelsey Mitchell's favorite Netflix show. Okay. I'm glad you asked this. It's actually not on Netflix. I think it's on Apple. But, uh, I mean... Yeah, big Ted Lasso fan. Big Ted Lasso fan. Okay. Do you know that show? No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. It's about an NFL American football coach that yeah. goes to Europe. Anyways, it's a feel-good sport movie, some drama. It's just... It's nice. I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of that. I'll definitely put it in my bucket list now because yeah. uh, you guys aren't seeing, but the look I just got from Kelsey was uh, was quite deadly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how you arrive and you don't know that don't know that show, but well, that that'll change you. That will change. They're good. Anyways, good. So uh, now jumping 
a little bit back onto cycling, a little bit back onto the season. You, like you said, didn't start off as expected. I imagine, like you just said at the beginning, weekend was quite special, pretty good results. What's the big goal for this year? Uh, what have you got in mind? Like, hey, this is this is my, my X on the calendar. This is my mark, and this is where I want to be. Yeah, I mean, I want to be flying by Worlds. I want to be at at my best. Um, and I've learned, learned in the past that my best can be a gold medal. And so, obviously, I actually have never won the, the rainbow jersey. I have not. I've medaled once at Worlds, and I got bronze in the sprint. Uh, and then obviously last Worlds did not go super well, um, but learned a lot and built upon that. And so, yeah, the goal the goal is to go out there and perform to the best of my ability. And from experience, that can be a gold medal. So it's scary to say it out loud. It's bold to say it out loud, but I want to go and, and get on the top step at Worlds. Yeah, of course. Uh, you want to go and win. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's pretty humble, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Glasgow, uh, it's a pretty nice city, uh, doesn't have much uh, to do sightseeing, I gotta say, I used to live nearby, and oh well, it is what it is, but how do you like the Vodafone, how do you like the city for you? Okay, Glasgow surprised me, I actually really, we went there about a year ago, actually, um, April 2022, and it was sunny, it was like 17 degrees, the sun was shining, we'd go and sit and walk by like the little river that went through the city, and... I have no complaints. It was it was a lovely experience, and the velodrome loved it. I clocked one of my fastest two hundred meter times there. Um, the crowd was great. I'm very excited to go back. I think it'll be an amazing um, event. Cycling will be the hype in that city for a bit because of the Super Worlds. It's going to be insane. Um, so really looking forward to going back and, and being on that track again. I mean, it's a pretty good memory to have uh, into going back to the world. So if you want to have a good performance, uh, some athletes they have bad memories about a place and they just go go in with a negative attitude. So having a good memory always helps. But mm -hmm. yeah. And what do you think about this uh, Super Worlds? Like you call them? I'm quite curious uh, to know the opinion of the athletes. Uh, all everything in eleven days, I think two weeks. All in a quite small country, Scotland. So, how do you feel about it? What do you think? Well, we'll see. I think there's a lot of logistics that has to go into it. Um, like, we're sending so many athletes, so many staff from Canada, and it's the same for every other country in the world. Uh, so, it's going to be crazy as long as our bikes get there and we get settled. Um, I think it'll be no different than, than a different world would be because we'll be at the Velodrome and kind of separate from maybe the other events, but I do hope to, to see some other events after I'm done racing. Um, there's a lot of things that people do on bikes that I have no idea how they do it, and so it would be cool to see it live. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this is a really cool concept, and having the Worlds a little bit earlier in the season actually um, sets it up better for us leading into the Olympics, and so it'll be a cool experience, and I'm really excited to go. Yeah, and well, it sounds like me uh, watching uh, cycling football will be quite fun for you. That's <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't understand how they can do that, but it's very impressive, and hopefully, I can see some of it live. I found this in videos, and the other day with the mountain bike, our coach got us trying to do stuff like that with a small football, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> 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 I, I was doing once. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, and just like the artistic, I'm not sure what the discipline's called, but the, the one with dancing and artistic stuff, I'm like, you're like, if we had that balance on the bike, we'd be definitely performing, definitely crazy. Yeah, their core strength is something else. I can barely ride with no hands. <laughs> so for them to be doing a headstand on the seat or whatever, I'm like. Impressive. Respect, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I can give credit to that. And then... I always talk about this because I'm kind of curious. Uh, in terms of staff, uh, you're with a national team, so I imagine you guys have someone, a coach, uh, to train with you guys. But then also, I'm curious about uh, nutritionists and mental coaches, which is something many athletes are adding onto their staff. Some others don't yet or are in the process of doing. So I don't know what's the case for you, and uh, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I think the team... Your support team around you is, will make or break you as an athlete. They're everything. Um, they're who you see every day. They're who you 
are with in your highs and in your lows. And so having people around you that you trust is so, so important. Um, nutrition, very important. Um, the training plan, if you have it dialed in, that's amazing. And then I think it's everything outside of that that you need to have dialed in. You need to have your rest and your recovery and your nutrition. You have to have get some body work done. you got to make sure you're feeling good. Um, because you can have the best program in the world, but if you're not able to, to do the program and do it to the best of your ability, you're not going to reap the benefits from it. And so, um, and then, yeah, the mental side of it, I mean, I'm still figuring it out. People are still figuring it out. I think I have one of, that's one of my strengths, definitely as an athlete, is my, my mental strength. Um, but I've gone through ups and downs and have had to kind of figure out how to get through that. Um, and then, if you have people that you trust and that are supporting you through it, it makes it still hard, but it makes it a little bit easier. And, you know, you'll, you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel and, and get through it. And so, yeah, I think there's definitely a big emphasis on, on mental health and taking care of your body. And, like, I'm getting I'm getting older. I'm 29. And so I really need to make sure, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> really make sure I'm taking care of myself to, to be able to keep competing and performing at this level. And so all the little pieces come together and make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I would say that everything that helps makes a bumpy road a little bit smoother, ironically, if you want to call it like that. I like that. And, yeah. And do you, do you yourself have a mental coach to work with you? Not really. Um, yeah, I kind of struggled with that because they would say, or it was encouraged to have a mental performance coach, and I didn't really find that benefited me. Um, they were asking how I, what I needed on the start line and that's not where I needed help or guidance. I kind of had that part figured out. It was kind of all the other noise and stuff that goes on beyond the sport of being actually on the bike, riding the track. Like I could show up every day and be motivated, but there's a lot of noise that goes on, um, in the background, uh, like any, like any job or business or, you know, you're living with, you're living and traveling and working with your coworkers. That's a dynamic in itself. And there's the staff and there's other countries. There's just a lot of things that are going on, um, that you don't even, think you have to worry about uh, until it happens and so um i've gotten more guidance with that than i did with um actually performing on the bike and being ready on game day and and all that stuff so i think it's very important um if you're you can be the strongest athlete most powerful athlete in the world but if you're not there um mentally uh that'll that'll break you i think in the end so it's very important exactly you can have the body but if you don't have the mind you're absolutely dead uh just just yeah, and then in terms of nutrition, uh, do you have a nutritionist or is it something you do by yourself because you know your body by t being 29 already? <laughs> yeah, so young. Um, I have a nutritionist. She's lovely. Um, I, I can eat the same thing every day. And so I kind of found something <laughs> that worked for me. Um, I knew I was getting enough carbs in, I was getting enough fat, I was getting enough protein. Um, and so... We kind of have that, and then if we're in a harder block, I add a little bit, and if we're kind of recovering or I don't need as much fuel, I reduce it a bit. Um, but I think my body's changed a bit. I've become more of a cyclist, and um, I've had to kind of play around with what I'm eating, and I know variety is good. I've been told that your microbiome should be uh, quite complex, and I think eating the same thing every day maybe isn't the best. And if I travel somewhere, it kind of shocks the system. So I'm definitely still playing around with it and figuring out what's best for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm good with my nutrition and, and I definitely needed some help and guidance with that because I went from playing football, running for 90 minutes, um, to doing a sprint that's 10 seconds long and then sitting there waiting an hour till I go again. So like how I was feeling had to change completely. And so, yeah, I definitely had some help and guidance with that. Absolutely. But now I have to ask, what's the everyday go-to meal that you have? <laughs> Okay, well, the one thing that hasn't changed in, like, three years is my lunch. And I have a bagel with spinach or arugula, usually spinach, then cheese, either brie or um, smoked cheddar, and then two eggs. I mean, it's very really specific, but it's yeah. quite nice, I guess. So you're like, I, I would like it myself. Yeah, it's so tasty, and I look forward to it every day. And so I have no complaints. And yeah. It's all about the little pleasures in life. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, 
uh, let's say you have a day where your nutritionist tells you, hey, uh, you can eat whatever you want today, enjoy yourself, and have something you really like you, you don't usually get to. What's that go-to? Because I just see your face, and that's there's just something there. <laughs> well, my, my, I had, to, I had to change my mindset because I would eat this by the tablespoon and learned that it's quite dense in fat and calories and learned that I need to treat it as more of a treat than an everyday snack. And so I'm obsessed with peanut butter. That is my guilty pleasure. So, yeah, if they were like, eat what you want, I'm chowing down on a jar of natural crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Are uh, you specifically uh, detail that it had to be crunchy, so I imagine you hate on the people that take it smooth. Uh, what do you think about those people? I have no judgment. I have no judgment. I support it. I would eat smooth, but if I got to pick, that's what I'm having. Crunchy. Natural. And uh, straight away, or is it just something you especially enjoy it with? Uh, well, I could eat it by the jar, by the spoonful. But I, yeah, I would have it with a banana, or on toast, or with an apple. Just, just with dark chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with anything, honestly. I just, yeah, that's definitely, I had to learn. And now I have it more as like a treat. It's like, instead of five to seven tablespoons a day, which is like 700 calories, I have like one to two tablespoons. Wow, it sounds like you really are making a sacrifice with peanut butter. Since it, <laughs> it was tough. It was tough, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but that's, that's actually really interesting that people use like pizza or some ice cream or whatever and for you it's like peanut butter straight away. But that's right. You also put peanut butter, you can melt it and then put it on your ice cream. I've done that. It's, yeah. If you need any tips on how to eat your peanut butter, I'm your gal for that. <laughs> I think uh, next week's uh, Instagram story uh, from Kelsey should be how do you guys eat your peanut butter? <laughs> I'm sure you'll be getting some way we can <laughs> But yeah. And then, uh, like you mentioned, uh, in terms of a team, uh, people you usually train with every day, people you travel with, people you you live with, essentially. It's like uh, having a husband and a wife and a mother and a father and a sister and a brother who you fight with and then you reconciliate and also on. How would you say uh, that life is for you? Because there's some people that are more introverted and need some more space, and there's people that are somewhere more extroverted and just are happy with their life and being surrounded by people. Yeah. So I actually live with two of my teammates, um, Lorianne Shanae and Jackie Boyle. Um, and we get along great. It's wonderful. We, we train together, we live together, we travel together, we do everything together. I, tell, I say to people, it's like going home with your coworkers and then living together and you're like oh my gosh but we make it work and it's wonderful and um we have a really good dynamics and i think we're very lucky and fortunate to have that um i get along really good with other people on the team as well um don't know if i could live with all of them but uh traveling together is good and um training together every single day is, is yeah we make it work it's a good environment um, we got some young people coming through and they're they're fighting for it, they're pushing, and it's really exciting to see just the program um, develop as quickly as it is. And so, yeah, it definitely took some time to get used to it. Like, um, my closest teammate, Lorianne, is very introverted, and I'm pretty extroverted. Uh, and so that took some time to figure each other out, but now we don't even have to speak to each other. We know what the other one's thinking. And so we have a really good dynamics, and, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for, for what we have because I know it's not easy to to find that in someone where you can push each other, compete against each other, encourage each other, and then also be friends at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, quite, uh, quite a good relationship. And now, I'm really sorry for this, but i got to put you on the spot a little. You said there's people you live with and there's people you definitely won't. So i got to say, who, the, who do you think the best uh, housemate would be? And I imagine I've already gotten that answer. And who do you think would be the worst? That's a great question. I think <laughs> the best is Lorianne for me, just because... Yeah. But she also likes the house a little warmer than I do, so Jackie's good for that, because we like it colder. <laughs> um, Sounds like household temperature debates and uh, Kelsey Mitchell's <laughs> house every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm always clicking the thermostat, going back and forth. No, uh, the worst? I don't know if there's a worst. I just don't know if the dynamics would work as much. 
Because, like, I go to bed around, like, 9.30. We all do. And then I'm up early at, like, 6.30 a.m. Like, that's just my schedule. And I know James on our team likes to stay up late and probably sleep in. And so I don't know how that dynamic would work. But we'd get along. I just wouldn't need my space from him, yeah, I think. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's a fair enough answer. Thank you for answering me that. I thought you would have just uh, pushed the question away with some of Oh, I'll answer it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, like to, uh, starting to come to an end, it's really been really good fun. I usually like to finish with some more emotional aspects in the podcast and interview, you want to call it like that. So, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about, you've had a short cycling career, like we mentioned, uh, but still you've raced all over the world, uh, had really good ups, and I imagine some quite heavy downs as well. So, what would you say has been worst moment so far of that whole career? Because people sometimes say COVID, but in your case, COVID, like you said, uh, helped you quite a bit, so I imagine it's not the case for you. Um, it's funny, because I think one of my, or some of my worst moments in hindsight ended up being the best moments and the turning point in uh, my career, and so Worlds this past year uh, was pretty hard to go through. Um, the expectation was there, uh, like, reigning Olympic champion, still haven't won the, the, the Rainbow Stripes, we were building into um, Worlds, I mean, we, the season was long, I got... Three silvers at Commonwealth Games. I wasn't able to get on that top step, so that was a little bit discouraging. Uh, then we had Pan Am Champs right after the Nationals, and then we went into Worlds, and my legs weren't there. I I underperformed, which I, I haven't done really yet in my career, and so um, and that was when people were watching, and the commentators are saying what they're saying, the expectations are there, and I, and I came up short, and that was very hard um, to go through. Uh I I'm, I get all my confidence from preparation. When you get on the line, there's nothing really left that you can do. Um, it came from the training, and so I was there, and I was unprepared, and I felt uh, very alone in that moment. Um, obviously, I still have my, my, my team and people supporting me, but it was just very, I was very exposed. Um, but it was a turning point. I My career is going to be short. The career is short. Like, if it's 5, 10, 15 years, that's a small percentage of your life. And so I don't take it for granted. Um, and I realized that I maybe had a little bit through the summer and maybe cut some corners that I shouldn't have and maybe didn't train as hard um, some days. And so I learned from that. And I had three weeks basically to turn it around before Champions League. And so I came back and people were like, why are you in the gym? Why are you training? Like, you should rest. And I was like, I'm going to... I'm going to fix this. And so I trained super hard and I showed up at Champions League and I ended up um, getting second overall. And it was like night and day from how I performed at Worlds. And so it was a very lonely, sad, dark time um, that I was able to, to grow from and come out so much stronger. And then uh, Jakarta was a very upsetting um, period of time as well. 21st in the sprint. Um, I did 11-0 in my 200 and it just... It didn't feel real, I guess. I don't know. I Because it's not like you don't do your best. I did my absolute best on that day, and my legs just, again, weren't there. And so I learned from that again. And uh, I came back, and I actually had ended up getting COVID and was sick with a cold. Like, just there was just a couple things that added up and, and put me kind of into a hole, and I'm just starting to come out of it now. But I learned so much from going through all that and, like, who has my back and who supports me and who's going to be there through the good and the bad that... Um, I feel stronger than ever mentally going forward that uh, I went through this now and it's not going to happen uh, as we get closer to the Olympics. Like I, I've learned from it, I've grown from it. And so it's really exciting because those lows is what builds you up even higher. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the next few months. I'm excited to see what happens at Worlds because uh, my record at Worlds isn't, isn't the best, but I'm, I'm ready to change that. So, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, it's time to change that and just uh, watch our fly, right? <laughs> exactly. But uh, first of all, uh, thank you for sharing all of that. I imagine it's not always easy speaking about all, all those moments, especially not out, out loud. And uh, although it's only the two of us right now, uh, you know this, uh, there, there will be other people hearing. So thank you for, for doing that. And I wanted to ask, when you're at those lows, how do you handle that? How do you get out of that? And how do you change your mind and like, hey, I'm here right now, but watch me kick ass tomorrow? 
Yeah, I like, I, I watch a lot of motivational stuff. Like, my Instagram feed is just, like, motivational stuff, and I just, like, brainwash myself in the morning and go through that. But um, I, like, heard one, and it was, like, this, this, in a moment that's good or bad, you have to remember, like, this too shall pass. And so it's, like, the lower moments are going to come and go. You're going to have to go through them. Um, but you know that they will end and you will get through it. But even when you're on your highest of highs and you're enjoying that moment, that'll pass as well. And so it's like, cherish every moment that you go through the roller coaster, the ups and the downs, learn from the downs and enjoy the ups, but know that everything is, isn't going to last forever. And so I think I just kind of tell myself that and definitely went through a low, but I knew it wouldn't be forever. And I can already feel myself coming back. And like this past weekend was, I, I needed that for sure. Um, at, at home, winning a gold uh, in the sprint, I hadn't done that yet. I'd gotten two silvers, but I'd never been able to get that gold. And I, I honestly didn't know if I had it. Um, my legs weren't as strong as I think they needed to be, but like tactically, I, I raced I raced well and I learned a lot. And so I'm taking that positivity and, and going forward with it. And so, yeah, I think, my, again, mindset is everything. you got to be able to, to, to learn from the losses and enjoy the wins. Um, but I've definitely grown a lot as a person in this past year, and I think it'll benefit me in sport and in life going forward. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, life it's a constant learning process. Uh, you learn, uh, you fall, and you get back up again, and you learn again. Uh, it's all, all around. But yeah, and then uh, we had a bit of a low here, but I always like to finish with an up. So, although I can't imagine what a sport we got, the answer is going to be, but. I still have to ask what has been the best moment so far. Yeah, I, people will think, and it's fair assumption is the gold medal at the Olympics. Um, watching Lorianne get bronze at the Olympics was very emotional and incredible because um, I went through it with her and I know how hard she worked and then I got to watch firsthand her win that medal and see her dream come true. And so that was special um, and to be a part of that. But I just, I I was done with sport, and then I got another chance to do sport, and, like, every single day, I try and remind myself to be grateful for, for the opportunity that I have. Like, I get to represent Canada on the international stage, and, like, people are looking to me now being, like, can you get us a medal? And, like, I like that pressure. Like, I want to bring home medals for Canada, and I want to keep performing to the best of my ability. And so, like, every race that I do, I get to, to go out there and, and try and, try and, win some hardware for Canada and when I do it's amazing and people are so happy and then when I don't I learn so much from it and, and people are still there for me and supporting me and, and it's just this whole experience every day this journey is I'm so grateful for it and I love what I get to do every single day so I don't know if I can even pick one specific moment um, that stands out but this past year the best moment that happened to me was what happened at Worlds and people would think you got I don't even know what place I got, but I, I was nowhere near the podium. But how much I've grown from that and learned from that is something that I didn't learn from when winning the gold medal at the Olympics. The Olympics taught me that hard work pays off and dedication and like pushing through um, the ups and the downs can get you on that top step. And I learned all that, but I've learned so much about people dynamics and like my body and like health and what's important and what's not and all that stuff and so pick one moment in my career sorry this is the most long-winded answer ever I don't know if I can pick one but um the Olympics will definitely be something that I will remember for the rest of my life and I will cherish that moment and the people who are all there with me in spirit or from the other side of the world um yeah, that will, that's the special moment that I know is special for everyone. And so I definitely cherish it. Yeah, of course. And uh, last question, well, uh, second to last. What Do you remember the first, first thing you did after you won that medal? Like, you crossed the line, you know, like, shit, I won. And then what's the first thing you did? <laughs> like, remember? I was riding around. Yeah, do you remember? Or, like, what do you think? Or was it? I remember, I remember riding around... And they handed me the Canadian flag, and I was like, this is your moment, Kelsey. Like, sit up and, like, hold that Canadian flag. Like, ride no hands. 
and I go to sit up and the whole flag just like covers my face and I like almost crash and I'm like no don't do that and like there's a picture of it of me like and I can't see anything and I'm like of course this will happen to me. Oh, Olympian wins medal and then crashes and breaks color like, I think that's what the headline would be but you know and then I found Lorianne and we had a special moment in Franck my head, the head coach was there and just like all the staff was there it was just like it was really special and like my teammates and Hugo and Nick and it was just like it was really cool. It was a really cool moment. Um, and then immediately after, I FaceTimed my parents, and we had a special moment, too. I think I was sitting there doing doping, and we're, like, they're, like, crying, and I'm just, like, it just didn't feel real. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I remember from, like, that exact moment. Um, but the special moment was on the podium for me, and, like, hearing the anthem and the flag. And, like, it was at the perfect time back home, where it was, like, Saturday night, and so I know people were having drinks in my honor, and... It was on at bars and family was watching and it was just like, I don't know if it like brought the country together, but like in my head, I'm like, Canada's proud of what just happened and I got to bring home a gold medal and it was, yeah, that's what I remember. Well, I would say I'm more than proud, but I got to make a little sober. Uh, I know I said it was going to be the second to last question, but I can't help avoiding this. So essentially you were on FaceTime call with your parents. Uh, they, they were probably crying. You were probably crying as well. And then you were like, sorry, mom, uh, hold on a sec, I got to pee. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, sorry, just one second, I actually go to the bathroom, I got to pee in a cup. Yeah, that's basically how, how it went down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, quite a special memory to have, I got to say, but yeah. Anyways, thank you, Kelsey. Uh, really fun stories to hear. Uh, just thank you for sharing everything. So thank you for being so honest and so natural on the podcast. Really, really enjoyed the interview. And... Uh, so last question, which I always do, is if you could give me a song to put at the end of the podcast. It can be any kind of music, anything you like, you listen to, you enjoy. I've had all sorts of songs, everything you can imagine. I had all genders, so you will not be judged, I promise. Oh my goodness, you're putting me on the spot, because I'm all over the place right now with music. But... Uh, a song that me and Lo like to listen to, or we used to listen to on the car ride, it's called From Now On, and it's like the musical, oh my gosh, I can't even think of the name of the movie right now, The Greatest Showman, and it's just like a good drop, and you like hit the roof of the car, and it's just like a feel-good song, and it's a nice build, and so, yeah, From Now On, from The Greatest Showman is a, a banger. Yeah, well, we'll leave everybody with uh, From Now On. Uh, thank you, girls, you're leaving the pressure, and we'll be watching you kick some ass this season. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> if home was lost, there's more I gained. Cause it led me back to you. From now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the light. From now on, once waited till tomorrow starts tonight. Tonight, let this promise in me start like an anthem in my heart. From now on. Champagne with kings and queens, the politicians praised my name. But those were someone else's dreams, the pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers, a crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, 